This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. What's up, everybody? Uh, Welcome back to Spear Factor. Today, I discuss with um, Ted Hardy a little bit about diving and um, shitty viz here in Southern California and specifically how to hunt white sea bass using the buddy system. I had posted um, on one of the forums this particular question as far as hunting white sea bass using the buddy system to get a lot of guys' uh, input and opinions on things to see if you can do it safely and effectively um, as well. So I hope you guys take you know some of the information we got on here and use it to at least just be aware of the alternatives to diving solo. And again, I just want to say uh, a big thank you to Seth Anderson, who has taken upon himself to edit uh, the audio. Uh, if you guys want him to do anything for you, you can reach him at sbanderson777 at gmail.com. Uh, thanks again, Seth. And let's get started with this episode. But first, as always, we got to give a uh, little shout out to our sponsors, Ted Hardy, Immersion Freediving. Um freedivingsafety.com thanks ted for all the support and everything you do for the community our next sponsor is hot rod spear guns uh paul has offered us 10 percent discount with a promo code spear factor so thanks paul for making badass guns and uh providing a hookup for our listeners and chimera side slip so chimera side slip you can purchase those at chimera spearfishing that's k-i-m E-R-A, and basically I've talked about the side slip before on the show. It's kind of the benefits of a slip tip without worrying about breaking your tip hunting around rocks. Uh, it replaces the flopper with a side slip. Uh, check it out more at the website, and if you use promo code SPEARFACTOR, all lowercase, at checkout, they'll give you 5% off. And our last sponsor is One Drop Spearfishing. Basically, an environmentally-minded group of guys that love to dive, live and breathe it, 
but their whole focus is feeding friends and family and enjoying their time in the water. Nothing more, nothing less. Um, solid group of guys. And uh, check out their website, One Drop Spearfishing. Check them out on YouTube, One Drop Spearfishing. And if you'd like to uh, sponsor Spear Factor Podcasts, feel free. Uh, you can go ahead and shoot me a note on the website, spearfactor.com. Thank you. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Spear Factor Series. Uh, this is the uh, second podcast in the series with Ted. Uh, and today we're discussing the uh, the ever hot topic of buddy diving. And not just buddy diving, the one that's going to get everybody's uh, fired up, buddy diving in California, uh, low-vis environments. And specifically, because it's so relevant here, I kind of want to get into white sea bass diving. And so Ted and I are having a discussion right now as we just like started re recording about uh, looking back on old posts and seeing people argue about stuff like from Spearboard and all these things like that and kind of addressing some of those arguments and uh, some of the characters because we all knew who <laughs> we all know who uh, it's a pretty it's as a big community as a community as it is it's pretty small still primarily because the guys that are some of the most boisterous guys have been diving in this region for, you know, 40, 50 years. Um, you know, myself like 30 years, I guess, well, I just grown up here, but, um, so anyways, wanted to weigh in and discuss and give everybody some ideas. So yeah, we're talking about safety, right? And I think the big thing, Ted, is like not necessarily we say buddy system, right? But more importantly than anything is trying to obviously there's a risk every time you go in the water, but reduce that risk to a minimal if possible. You know what I mean? Like you can have a buddy and someone could say, yeah, it doesn't matter if great whites there bite you in half, buddy ain't gonna do shit. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, so you had mentioned looking at spearboard and hearing some of the old arguments and like, did you want to get into that a little bit? We were just talking about that. Well, I think it's funny. I'll just, I'll say what was, so before we did this podcast, I reached out probably a couple of weeks ago and I said, Hey, can I interview you? Now, I don't do podcasts. Right. But I said, can I interview you? Because I want to get someone who spearfishes in that area in California, right? Low vis kelp, right? White sea bass, right? Which is the one that I always hear like, well, you can't do any of the safety stuff with that. And, you know, I was telling you before is I want, I know to convince spear fishermen, I need ammos in my quiver. I need to, I need to be able to knock down the arguments. I need to be able to convince them. Um, and I know that that area without a doubt is the most difficult one. It's a difficult area to die safely. I mean, like, look, I mean, when I, when I, you know, talk about you know, be watching your buddy and all that stuff, you know, people from California, people up in the Northeast are like, well, yeah, if you live in fantasy land where you can see things when you die, maybe that would work. But where we live, we have 15 foot of visibility. Therefore, all of this stuff that you're talking about, you don't do, you just die by yourself and, and know your limits and suck it up and, and, and just do it. Um, so what I wanted was to reach out to you, someone I know that hunts in that area, because I can say you can do it. I don't hunt in that area. I, so I don't have the ammo in the quiver to convince them. So I'm really just interesting. And, you know, 
hearing from someone that says, yeah. look, we can go in that area and we can have a safety first mentality and we can put fish on the boat and here's how we do it. You, you know, they may be people that don't want to do that and that's fine, but at right. least I want people to know that it can be done. Okay. So like for one thing is, um, for those of you guys that didn't see the post, I basically threw a hand grenade in the room on the OC Spiros page and said, white sea bass, buddy diving, go. And, um, I tagged bill, you know, and, uh, and, but I will say there was a really, there's really good dialogue, number one, but number two, I think the thing to tell everybody, like to disarm everybody is that you're all right. Like everybody is right to a point, right? Like everybody brings up really good points. They, they do. And I think in order to make everything safer, you have to address those points and, uh, there'd be a little bit of a compromise in your buddy's system, so to speak. Now that doesn't mean like completely blow off your buddy, but I'm saying that there is a way to do these things and make them safer period. Yep. So like my personal experience, um, when I was scuba diving for work, we would typically do things in the, um, surf zone, basically 40 feet and shallower, uh, in the surf zone. And I mean, honestly, some days, there would be no visibility at all. And it would be like, yeah. you know, it's your, you're literally, we would dive in high surf advisories, which is always fun to watch your depth gauge fluctuate <laughs> 10 feet. Um, and then get, you know, and then we would dive on certain things. We're going to get all the details. We would dive on certain things and you hold on to them and you're swing swinging around like a pendulum, you know? Yeah. Now you have your buddy in there and you have tanks like that shit was so dangerous because yeah. we had a discussion about our dive, plan changed and this is kind of unheard of for a navy dive plan was that if we are 50 feet and shallower now we're on scuba we're not diving with a buddy that being said it was in this situation you bring a spare air with you um which we still thought about even that but um the reason yeah. being for all of this was there had been times where you're buddy diving you go down you don't know where your buddy is. And then you take an 80, you know, cubic inch tank upside your head because he just got sent into yeah. you via, you know, yeah. which is, a, which is a problem. Um, and then the other side was the tanglement hazard with carrying extra equipment and things like that. Yeah. Um, all of it makes total sense, but what we would do now where it gets kind of interesting is when we had new divers, Again, this is kind of this is an introduction into what I'm where I'm going. Okay, so like yes. we have new divers, we obviously we'd have a drop clump we call it with a float to the surface and just a clump of weights there. Yes, and yes. then we would go down and look for things. Well, you, you both the divers would go down next to each other, either with positive control of each other or whatever it was. Go down. One guy would sit on the clump. You sit on the clump. Yes. I'm going to go out five feet. I'm going to do a circle search. Then I'm going to go out yep. another five feet, do a circle search. Yep. And then, and, and the whole time the guy can see the line going around in a circle. Yep. Right. And then I'll come back to you and we will go up together. Right. Yep. So the good thing is things we would do to mitigate that is like, if we, for as far as surf zone is we'd be weighted fairly heavy. We're literally dropping yep. down and coming up. We'd weight heavy. So yep. we wouldn't get blown around. And then yep. the other thing. Um, so, so those are like some very basic diving principles that we would use to mitigate you know, running into each other, you know, for spearfishing, shooting each other, basically. So yep. what I do was, what I do now is 
when I dive in the kelp beds here and it's really bad viz. And I mean bad viz like in less than five feet. My buddy and I will cruise together and basically like a buddy team, both eyes, because the reason why is when you have such limited viz, one per like we're scanning. So he can see five feet this way. I can see five feet this way and we'll stagger five feet apart so we can cover more ground. Now, that being said, <laughs> we're, this is, we're doing a speto style diet. We're not necessarily going for white sea bass at this point because we're going to do a totally yeah. different tactic. Um, this is just, we're looking for bait fish and looking to see a good spot to drop down. Yeah. You go up to a kelp stock, if you find your kelp stock and, um, and then, so, okay. Before I say anything else, the buddy, we're going to get to the buddy system in a little bit, but having a good buddy is the only way this stuff works. And that is across the board for buddy diving at all. Like, well, yeah, I mean, that, you know, that's another argument I always get is like, well, you know, they don't, they're not there. I'm like, well, that's because that's a shitty buddy. I mean, like that, that doesn't discount the system. <laughs> right. You, you have to have yeah. two people that are on the same page that were committed to doing it. A competent, like, so and in some, a competent buddy. Now I wouldn't necessarily be keen on taking a brand new diver out in really shitty conditions. Anyways, that's dangerous. Um, I don't want to say it's dangerous. It's just adding an unnecessary risk because the guy's probably, or girl is probably going to be a little bit more nervous because there's no viz and they don't really have a clue what they're looking for if they're not rehearsed like and doing this activity over and over again and yeah. so it's not going to be that much fun period yeah. so when you're talking about diving in bad viz bad conditions you really need to assess who you're diving with is the very very first thing before you even leave the shore or the boat like i can't stress that enough um and i think to be honest, a lot of people's arguments would, you know, would be kind of prove. I don't want to say proven wrong or anything, but um, would be basically put to rest, put to bed with that right there, like having a good buddy, period. And I mean, a good buddy yeah. is in someone that you know, uh, in, in and I mean, you just dive all the time. Uh, I think yeah, well, that's going to do what the plan right. is. You guys are going to have, have a system and you're actually yeah. implement it. And if you don't know if you have a buddy like that, then you don't. Because when you know, <laughs> when you have a buddy like that, you know, like you guys are on point with it. So, but first, to go back to what I was saying before is we're going to find a kelp stock, right? Tell them I'm going to go down. My friend knows, and I've talked about this before. My bottom time is usually I go down, my whole total dive time is 115, 130, you know? Yeah. And if anything is going to change, I'll tell him. Uh, yeah. And I go down the kelp stock and I come back up the kelp stock. That way he knows where I'm at at all times. Um, and that's for a speto, right? And that's usually we do that here for, you know, you're either looking for a lobster or um, uh, sheep's head or, or, you know, calico bass, trying to get anything to come in um, yeah. that style, reef fish. Um, and that's how we do it. And that's how we've always done it. And if I'm going to go longer, we just communicate. I'm going to go, hey, I'm really going to push it on this one. <laughs> like, watch me. Got it. Yeah. Um, you know, and I'll do a two-minute dive, which is pushing it. And so me. you're literally, when you get down, are you, you're sticking right there or you're, you're looking for a spot and then you stick? So literally, because you can't see, I go <laughs> down. No, and I'm serious. I go down and I'll stay probably within 
five or 10 feet of that kelp stock of, of where you went now. Okay. And we just go down and probe everywhere. Right. Yeah. Because if I come up and what I'll say, if I see something, I'll come up and I'll say, Hey, uh, there's a little ledge right there about 10 feet off the kelp. You might want to go check that out. Um, yeah. I th thought I saw whatever go in there. So the, yeah. the bottom line is if, if your buddy doesn't come up, you have a, like that drop clump, you have a reference point to, point to uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Right. And all of this stuff does require communication, but as you get better and better, um, the majority of the communication is just signals and signals yeah. like, um, and I know from, you know, working in, with a lot of military guys over the years and, and having my experiences, like when you have a buddy says, yeah, it is quiet and, and, and efficient and it works. Right. Um, but yeah. you got to be on the same page and that requires a lot of communication before the dive in the boat after the dive and then reps, right. We call it like, uh, you re rehearse, 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 rehearse. And in this situation rehearsing is going and diving. Yeah. Um, did, did we talk about, did I talk about the bulletproof buddy system the last time I was on? You did as far as landing more, the three, the three divers. Well, yeah. Well, the fact, the fact that you fought, you just like one person dives, and the second person is the buddy and there's no talking necessarily like that like that per like person right. one makes a drop that person knows he has no say in what's going on other than to be there at the surface once that person surfaces now the other person becomes the leader the other person becomes the follower and they do whatever that they're going to do but what I, what I liked about it is when i started there was always yelling at me. i was always yelling at my buddy because i thought they were supposed to be watching me and like they're supposed to be you know you're watching me and i was hollering and like you said is once you implement it there's no talking necessary there's no discussion you just go up and down and follow each other. And it just like, it, it, it works perfectly. Yeah. So what we would do is uh, I've done it two ways. One, when I go, uh, like if I go somewhere and I'm diving with someone um, like I've never dove with before, I'd look at it as I'm their guest, right? Like yeah. Yeah. he's leading me and showing me around. He dictates everything that I do. If yeah. he does a dive on a, you know, on a spot, he comes up, you want to check this spot? Sure. And I'll dive they're leading the way it makes sense because they know what they're doing like, their I, area. They know I don't have a clue you. yeah so but when i go out let's say off sunset cliffs here uh in the kelp beds with a friend of mine what we do is that just i'll dive a spot come up then i know it's his turn he's up he leads me wherever he wants to go uh yeah. and if i have information or something i notice something i'll tell him but like we usually just go we'll just take places one after another but you got to be willing to accept which I guess is hard because some people just like to dive alone because it's that, you know, your own thing. Um, now it's, now you've passed the torch. Now it's his turn. It's his turn yeah. to dictate where we go and then you yeah. drop and then, you know, and then there's always discussions and stuff as far as, Hey, we should try that South kelp or whatever. Okay, cool. Yeah. But it's, he's still up, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we do that. Uh, that's a big thing just for diving like a speto where we're sitting on the bottom. Um, and in areas where we're doing blind drops, like I've done blind drops in like 60 feet of water on some wreckage. Usually for that, I will put even a drop clump down just as a reference point, because if I can't see the reference point, yeah, yeah, if I can't see the, just like I'm sure in Florida, you do the same thing. Like if I can't see the bottom, I don't really know where the hell I'm dropping and I don't want to hit like 60 feet and have to go scout out to find this, the, 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 uh, the wreckage. So I'll either try to drop my anchor right on it, um, you know, right just off of it, I'll say, I'm sorry, just off of it. And then we'll just use that as an up and down. Um, so yeah. those, those are things we do. 
really the kelp's nice because it's literally your drop clumps that so you just drive dive right down there and you have a good reference point and then yeah. you can also search off those things uh for worst case scenario now um so we basically covered buddy diving right like yeah buddy diving yeah you just you know if you have that guy and then like for me it was funny my wife was teasing me uh my buddy moved and she's like, oh my God, it's like, you have a divorce. You know, you're just so upset. Like, because like, <laughs> like the, you don't understand like this dude, when we dive together, we are both like on the same page. Yeah. Um, and it's, and that's fun diving with your buddy. You're, you know, you're having a yeah. good time. Uh, but now if I get with a newer person though, you really have to throttle everything back. And I don't mean new as an even inexperienced. I mean, just new there's all this dialogue that needs to take place before you go so that we understand, Hey, what's your usual bottom time? How do you like to hunt? Where do you want to hunt? Um, what's your max? Like, when should I come down and go get your dead body or something? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, so there's that stuff. So it just, there's just a lot of dialogue that needs to take place. Um, and now moving on into the white sea bass territory. So everybody's hackles just went up. Yeah. Right. That's the one I always hear about. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the stupid ass white sea bass. Okay. So <laughs> here's the deal. Like, uh, I used to hunt white sea bass probably 20 years ago for about five years. I shot one. Uh, I saw it when I was like brand new, I shot one, it tore off, it took off, but it was really funny because I had heard all this stuff about the elusive white sea bass. Yeah. And the visibility of the day, I was with my friend, Chris, and the visibility was really good. I'd say like 25 feet and we were in La Jolla and this thing was just sleeping on this kelp leaf, like literally just sitting there. And we were like pointing at it. I didn't even see it at first. Like I was pretty new diving for sea bass. Yeah. And he's pointing to me, Hey, you see that? I'm like, no, what are you talking about? So do you see, I don't see it. I don't see anything. And it's like right in front of my face. Finally, I'm like, oh yeah, there it is right there. So what you do, you swim up to it. I mean, literally like it was five feet from the thing, shoot the thing. And, uh, I had one of those old JBLs and white sea bass. If you ever shot them, like their, their skin is like armor. And the thing was bigger than I thought it was too. And, uh, you know, the little three band, I guess I probably should have been closer or something. I say little <laughs> three band. It's hilarious. Cause like, yeah, but uh you didn't even go in i mean it went in but i knew like as i was swimming up to it to like try to secure it i was like don't grab yeah. the shaft don't grab yeah. the shaft what is it i do as soon as like i grab the shaft and the thing kicks and like slaps me in the face with this giant tail and takes off and then i never saw that again and i never saw another white sea bass for like four years after that <laughs> and i'm not even making the shit up and i was like i'm super stubborn anyways so i just kept diving and then i was like i'm just diving anyways i spend my time diving so if stupid white sea bass shows up again i'll shoot another one yeah. uh, and it was just funny i'd call my friend and i'm like hey i need help dude i haven't seen one um well what i realized was that a i was going really infrequently during that time of year uh number one so like time in the water is huge to find these fish and I was diving at work and I would just use the same kind of shit. Like I dive at work, then I get off work and just go dive around the bottom, sitting on the bottom, look for white sea bass. Like, yeah. And it was literally blindly the blind because back then, I mean, I say back then, but this is like 2003, maybe 2000 there. 
I wasn't on the internet. I didn't, you know, there's my buddy kind of mentored me like a few years after this. And then I got just kind of burned out with it. And I just started doing basically my regular reef hunting and didn't really care. Um, I liked the winter time because it was mellow and quiet. If it was, you know, if there's no waves. So I, yeah. I never hunted sea bass for five years after that. Then another five years, I was deployed every, I left, what was it? March? No, no, no. I left right after like uh, in February-ish. I was gone like for five years. I was gone for six months, uh, three months, four months, whatever it was. Yeah. And, uh, so I never like scouted out white sea bass for like five years after that. And yeah. then it was really funny. And then, and, I, and there's a reason why I'm getting all into this, but, and then um, I miss like my daughter, four of her birthdays and all this shit. Cause she's in April. But uh, so I came home and I finally started paying attention to social media. And I see everybody with like this, this, there's like this stigma where if you, you're not a real diver, if you don't hunt white sea bass or, you know, all of that. So I was like, well, I was chasing, then I chased tuna around for years, you know, until a few years ago. And I was like, I probably should actually make an effort at hunting this white sea bass thing and just put one under my belt. And the funny thing was, is that, um, I didn't really give a shit about what anybody, I just dove. Like I, I didn't know anything about social media or anything. You just die. I just love it. Right. I didn't swim around in the ocean for 10 years, not seeing shit because I wanted to go really care about what people thought i guess and so yeah. i thought well you know i got all this knowledge i've been diving for 15 years now maybe i'll give this white sea bass shit a go uh there's nothing like going and jumping in the blue ocean and shooting you know a tuna or whatever and then i kind of thought i just you know what i'm gonna do it this year and i had a good friend my friend john like motivated me last year i was like all right let's do it so we started going a couple years ago and what I realized is taking all my knowledge that I learned over the years and reading and just diving in general and having a much more calmer, less hungry approach, I guess, to scouting out fish. I swear fish yep. can sense that predator vibe you give off. <laughs> it's I swear it's true. And then so that's why you get, that's why you bring camera down and it's different. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's true. It makes total sense. And, uh, you know, sure as shit, like within a couple of weeks, it was like saw four white sea bass, blue shots on them and all of that stuff. Um, but it was so funny to me because I laughed. I thought this is not hard. Like, hold on. Like this thing swims right up to you. It's pretty close. Having said that, um, yeah, I missed every time because I was completely spazzing out. I'm like 15 years I've been waiting for this. You yeah. Know? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, anyways, it was kind of surreal. I just stared at it first. It's probably about a 60 pounder. And I just stared at him as he cruised in from the Merc. I thought it was a seal at first. It was so big. And then, but all these fish that I encountered, uh, you know, I've never claimed to be anybody but myself. And like, it's funny to me, this white sea bass curse that, you know, I'm probably going to cry and weep when I land one, I've shot two of them actually, and never landed one because yeah. I never gave a shit for like 15 years. And now it's like, I guess, you know, I like the challenge and now the challenge is really important, but having taken all those years of diving safe, safely, um, yeah. how do I apply that to white sea bass now? Right. Cause it's just totally different diving. So the argument was like white sea bass gets spooked really, really easy. That's when I was here. Right? You have a buddy, your buddy will. Spook yeah. them. And again, um, 
from my friend that mentored me, he's like, yeah, some days you can swim with them. <laughs> and some days they just, just fish, you know, like some days you won't see any of them. Some days it'd be spooked. Some days they swim with you. It all depends on the water temp, the viz, all this stuff. Um, yeah. and, and going probably like 30 times last year or whatever, uh, I realized, you know, number one with white sea bass, when they're there, they're there. When they're not, they're not like seriously, period. Yeah. <laughs> now you got to find them because they might be there. This might be in another kelp bed. So, but as far as buddy diving with them, what I've found with white sea bass is number one, there's a difference between being quiet and spooking a fish. And what I found was really with white sea bass, you're basically like snorkeling. Every fish that I saw last year and the year before, whatever it was, was about five within 10 feet from the surface, probably more like five feet. Some of them are right at this. So when you're hunting them, you're pretty much snorkeling. Like, and again, it, I always say it depends on where the thermocline is because those fish usually like to hide or hang out right above the thermocline, right around there. So if you have visibility, let's say it's 10 feet and they're, and the thermocline's at five, which have, then, yeah, seen that, then, yeah, yeah, you're not diving much that day unless it's to recover yeah. one. So yeah. yes, you can do that where you're with your buddy or you're like, Hey, I'm snorkeling. So we call it the West coast style of buddy diving, which is kind of funny because yeah. This is typically how this goes. From the moment I jump in, the first thing I check is where's the thermocline? Jump in, dive down. Oh, dude, it's freezing at 15 feet. Okay. Yeah. And we've got 10 feet of is. Okay. Knowing that now I'm probably going to have to dive down to five feet or a little bit low, just real slow and hang out. And so I'll tell my buddy, I'm like, hey, um, you know, I'm not going to be doing much diving today or whatever it is. And I'm just going to go for a swim, basically. And we, we stay away from each other. That reduces the risk of shooting each other, which everybody yep. always says is an argument, right? But we're, I call it, we're spy hopping just like dolphins would do where we're probably 30 yards from each other, 20 yards from each other because yep. we're not diving. Like we're not diving. Now, if I go and I don't see anything and maybe I want to try the technique of silhouetting them from the surface, I'll tell um, my buddy, I'll look over at him and I'll be like, Hey, come over here, spot me real quick. And then we'll do like a full, and they know what you're session. doing. They know that you're going to yeah. drop me. Because well, I'll tell him, I go, Hey, I'm going to try to drop down. Just watch me and yeah. see if I can silhouette himself. Or the other thing is if you do shoot one, right. And they run, then you go, Hey, you call your buddy over and help you retrieve it. Like those are the things that we do to mitigate the risk. Um, yeah. now because it's white sea bass, I don't really, I, I want them to know that I'm there, but I do not want to spook them. And the reason why yeah. I want them to know I'm there, because every, like I said, everyone always kind of comes in, does the circle and looks at you and leave. It's a predator comes in, looks at you and leave. Yeah. Don't yeah. spook it, but you want to know that you're there. And yeah. so, um, literally just very casually snorkel through and I cover a lot of ground. Um, but there's this communication needs to happen with everybody where we all know we're on the same page based on the conditions for that day. Now, if the thermocline is at 30 feet and we've got five feet of is, well, now we do it where we dive down the kelp. I kind of stop at about 30 feet, hold on to the kelp, sit there and float and look around with your buddy 
you know, five feet behind you. Everybody always stays behind you in your back pocket, depending on whoever is, and we call it flying or riding, right? Like yeah. the guy in front is is driving or, or driving. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So there's, and the guy behind it's, he's not shooting anything like this has to be understood because <laughs> yeah, you're going to shoot somebody and that, but that goes back to that whole thing with a buddy, like knowing a buddy. You you ever see what's behind that person before you or behind the fish when you pull the trigger, like you know, a rock, a person, whoever. So yeah. that you have to have this discipline among yourself. Um, and I think you know, a lot of it is people's drive to um be noticed, be somebody, maybe not even that, just the fact to fit into this little click of spear fishermen, yeah. knowing that you've got all this yeah. stuff. So there's that drive of like, I gotta, you know. And some of the times you got to just turn that shit off. It doesn't matter because that's the stuff that will get you killed. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, so basically when their business is poor, we go back to more up and down, going down the kelp stock. That's what we do. Or if I got to dive down, I'll use, which we did this weekend or two weeks ago, we use right here, the white. Yeah. yeah I saw that post you made. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the production was really good, but <laughs> so uh, literally sitting in my garage doing it. And I was like, I probably should share this with somebody. So what I do is I just take a flex seal. Uh, yeah. And I dip my weights in the white because what I noticed when John and I were diving, he had a white snorkel and I was like, well, that's okay. Whatever. <laughs> it's kind of funny looking white snorkel, you know, and he yeah. had white weights on. And he was down or like literally outside of my viz, but I could see those things glowing. And I know flashers kind of do the same thing, but flashers, they typically need sunlight to work. So some sort of light. to have Yeah. Yeah. But the white, I mean, it just shows up. Um, and so I'm going to start doing that religiously to really make a difference because when you drop down to that 30 foot mark where that thermocline is, it'll allow you to swim more freely and your buddy will be able to see you and just follow yeah. along. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, more, being, you know, being visible, anything you do to increase that visibility is going to make that buddy system work better. Right. I mean, because if you can right. actually you know, see, and so again, it's not, it doesn't, it's not going to make it so that you're like Florida with 80 foot of viz, but if you can just add five or 10 foot of like where I can exactly be seen, then it's worth it. Um, and I made, I made a comment on that post and I had heard this from Garo um, about putting, he puts the white tape on the underneath the fin pocket and on the heel of the fin pocket. So he gets like both sides of it. And so the same yes. kind of thing, just another thing to, to see. So what I, what I did last night actually was I took some of the, uh, flex seal, the white flex seal, and I poured it on, um, my heel of yeah. my fin <laughs> for extra like protection. You're walking or like whatever well, yeah. you cut in it. So that works yeah. too. But then also you can see it. So I've got that. And my buddy said a white snorkel or white tape. Um, And then also with diving for sea bass, a lot of people like reels. I was raised, so to speak, like with a reel because it's just easy to go through the kelp, like without having to worry about a reel. But then people that a lot of people use float lines for the increased visibility and also without with either a carrot float or no float at all to be able to um fight the fish that way so there's kind of yeah. like i did a little write-up on it too it's kind of like two schools of thought there's 
the mess that's going to exist after you shoot one with the reel, but it's clean for the three hours you're kicking through the kelp, right? Yeah, it's great. But when you have the float line, it might irritate the shit out of you. I don't know. To be honest, I started doing that and I didn't really notice much of a difference um, with the float line, but you, your buddy does have increased viz on you, um, which that's huge too. Because that's yeah. essentially a drop clump for you to go down to find your friend. Exactly. Every time you go down. Yeah. Right? Without uh, being without being stuck to one spot. Right. And you don't even have to see him. Like you just follow yeah. the because you have that reference point. So essentially you are yeah. bunnying him. Uh and even if he, you know, I mean, so you're gonna get much closer. It's gonna buy you some safety, I guess. Yeah. Uh yeah. So I prefer doing I still do a reel because it's just, I'm old. It's just the way I do. It's fine. But I combat that with making myself more visible. And this goes back to what I said about the white sea bass, as far as, um, like I don't necessarily want to spook them. You don't want to spook them, but I don't necessarily want them to know that I'm not there. I want them to know. Yeah. Yeah, Cause I want them to come, you know, now having said all of this, someone's going to say this dude doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about because he hasn't even landed one yet. <laughs> you know what? You're exactly right. You're exactly right. But I'll tell you this, I probably spent more hours in the ocean than, you know, the majority of the humans on this planet. Uh, let me rephrase that. The majority of the humans in Southern California, I'll say that I'm not going to be an asshole because <laughs> that's not true. Um, but uh, I've spent a lot of time in the ocean and I've also spent a lot of time with some very credible people that, and a lot of hours talking to them, a lot of hours diving with them. And I've been there with them and experienced it. So, you know, I mean, I do, I think I'm an authority on it. I don't know. I feel like as soon as you start thinking like that, you stop learning, you know? Um, But uh, I know what I know. And I, and I can tell you from my own personal experience, what I realize works now me screwing up shots that's my problem you know <laughs> going to the going to the pool and realizing oh my gun was shooting wrong the entire time I had no chance yeah um but it was just funny because when john and i really were having this little contest this year of going back and forth he was up in la and he was diving leo Carrillo and all these places and he'd come down here and dive with me too he'd be like dude i sh- I saw him today. I saw him. I saw him. I saw him. We just, we both started laughing because we were seeing them every time we were going out. The problem was like, it was either a bad shot or they came in and like my eye was trying to figure out if it was like a white sea bass or a Bigfoot or something. like the thing just comes in and I was like, oh, and then he just took off, you know? And so that happens. But the point was that we were seeing them and then we were also doing the buddy system and spotting each other. Yeah. I mean, so you were seeing proof that it can be done that way. Yeah, it can be done. And I can't even argue, like, are you going to get more fish? I don't know. Um, I don't think so. I've seen more sea bass. It could be just experience in the last few years than I have for that first 10 years or whatever I was diving. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, it's it's just you got to have a competent buddy is the take home message, I think. And a lot of dialogue before in order to build that that trust among your um your uh your buddy yep that's pretty much what i got about that sea bass stuff i mean well, I, I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna at some point i'm when this gets published online i'm gonna probably somehow get this like in a 
get like just this portion of the podcast and snip it and then like go post that on like 10,000 internet yeah. comments. I'm just waiting for waiting for the I'm just waiting for the death threats and everything else to be like, yeah, you don't know what you're talking about. Sure. Whatever, dude. I don't again, I don't care. It, you know, the bottom line is, and this may sound really kind of uh harsh, but you're the one who's got to pay the piper. So, you know, I mean, that's the truth. And um it's fine, do whatever you want. I'm just tr- I'm just trying to help someone that may not that wants the help, basically. Keep what? doing what you're gonna do. I say the same thing. I'm not the free diving police. You can dive however you want. I just want to, you know, a lot of people don't have access to all of the information. And what I know right. from experience, a lot of people, when they get access to the information and stuff that I have, they're like, huh, <laughs> I shouldn't yeah. do that. And right. And then they change their mind. Right. If, they, if they look at that information and go, well, I'm going to keep diving by themselves. Okay, fine. I tried, you know, and you can yeah. make your own decisions. But what I definitely see happening for sure is more and more spear fishermen are taking an approach of safety first spear fishing and right. it's so cool to see because when i started 10 years ago that was not happening they were not i mean the free life instructors were going you gotta watch it you know and, and the spear fishermen were like okay just show me how to hold my breath and dive really deep and then they leave the class and they didn't do anything that the, the guy said 100 but but now it's getting better it's getting better and better i mean you know i I work with this guy in Hawaii, um, Brian, I mean, Uncle, Uncle Brian. I'm sorry, I messed up his YouTube name. But they call it Uncle Uncle Learn How. To. Uncle Learn You How. Brian, oh, you Brian Fern. I've been yeah. with him. He's, he's amazing. He did, this, he did this 17 minute spiel with him and his buddy talking about Alan. buddy. I mean, all, like, and they, you know, they just, you know, they won't. You know, they, if they, you know, sometimes the guy sucks and he shoots. He shoots no fish that day, but I'm killing it. So then we split the fish and then we, he doesn't go home hungry. We share the fish and we have all that stuff. And, you right. know, and then, you know, the, the thing of when I take new people out, I explain the rules. And then if I come up to service and you're not there, I'm never, ever, ever, ever going to dive with you. If we agreed to be buddies and then I come up and you're not there because you want to go shoot a fish, I will never, ever, ever, ever dive with you. When I hear spear fishermen yeah. doing stuff like that, I get so excited about it because it can't be just us, the freediving instructors, saying that because you know one of the arguments I used to get is I'd be at like the Blue Wild, we Hunter hundred spear fishermen. I'm like doing the freediving class, freediving class. So yeah, well yeah, Ted, you sell freediving classes. Of course you're going to tell us you have to take a right. class. That's what you guys all do, right? You tell us you have to take a class. And so I mean, yes, there's reasons that you should do that, but you know when the when the community and I hear more and more stories about that community is is regulating themselves. That's infinitely more powerful. Than the handful of free because there's only so many of us. There's not even right. a lot of us that are running around trying to talk about safety. You know, when I hear stuff like that, I get I get really really excited. So I told him to send me um, his address, and I was going to send I'm going to send a thank you present to him and the guy uh, for for doing that. Because yeah, I Al, really yeah, excited. Al and Brian, those guys are yeah. great. I actually yeah. met Al at uh, in uh, Kapaa, I think it was, or maybe Luhuin. And uh, I was on my way back from a deployment and I met my family and, and my friend got married in Hawaii. So we stopped in uh, Hawaii, but we went to uh, the big island. I'm sorry, uh, Oahu. And then we went to Kauai because I always like to stay in Kauai because it's mellow and um, yeah. it's really shitty. Don't ever go there. Yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> um, so, and Al had mentioned, I, I think I said it was, he was like, oh, I'd love to meet you, you know? And uh, I was like, yeah, me too. And so I ended up meeting him in the park just the most genuine dude, like, um, He's pretty funny on uh, social media, but he's a solid guy. And then I met Brian through Alan and, and those guys, they're not, they practice what they preach. Um, and I think 
the the part of the problem is so we've had i guess we've had a few deaths lately and so i was i was kind of like upset by it uh in the sense that we we have to get over this attitude of like um i think it's for the younger guys and i can say that i was guilty of it too but like uh the rules don't apply to us well the thing you'll learn about mother nature and um is that she doesn't give a shit who you are and what you've done and the rules are the rules and if you break those rules then you're putting yourself susceptible to some bad stuff um for example like you can apply that to anything right like the bear guy up in alaska and the 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 alaskans were like yeah we have rules you don't interact with the bears this because you know and he crossed the line and he got you know he got eaten okay just like you don't go swimming with a rookery you can you can go swimming at a rookery with the sea lions and enjoy it until you know that one day where you're meeting mr you know white shark um which happened again um up in the uh, central california one time so there's just these rules right so it's every time you do it, you roll the dice right like i've dove multiple times without a buddy by myself um cool uh i you know it was lucky kind of like that video you talked about your friend is experienced spear fisherman until he got he blacked out um so one, one out of ten thousand drops yeah right and so the problem i think that's what's happening is a the sport is growing so much especially here in southern california but yeah. b People are taking more freediving courses, which is great. But now you have newer divers early on pushing themselves, going to where those laws have a bigger impact on them. Uh, laws of partial pressure. They're going down, doing these 100-foot drops, which is cool if you have a buddy. But when you start doing that, you're more likely to have these issues. Yeah. And they're having that mentality that I had when I was 20 some years old, like, great, but I was diving to 40 feet. Now you have yeah. that mentality and you're diving to a hundred feet and you're staying on the bottom for a while. That's going to bite you in the ass much quicker than it will. Yeah. Um, I'd say one thing I've had, I've had this conversation. Pursuing wild game in wild places. Tune in to Hunt Stand Presents Saturdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. So many times I've lost count. <laughs> Call me up on the phone. Want to take your intermediate class? I'm like, yeah, that's cool. Well, you know, love to have you. Yeah, because I want to spearfish at 100 feet. And me too. anytime I hear yeah. that, in my mind, I've got a 20-minute conversation explaining, number one, that this course will not do that. Secondly, you probably don't want to do that either, you know? And so I go through this thing in the middle. Like, I mean, you know, one, I mean, like, yes, touching 100 foot in a class. If you take a you know, level two program, I mean, touching 100 feet, it's not, that, it's not that hard. It's not hard for me to teach someone to do that. But, you know, touching the plate at 100 feet is way different. There are not a lot of people that spearfish. There are a lot of people that say they spearfish at 100 feet, but I don't think there are nearly as many that actually do. And also like, it's not, you know, if you get to hundred feet and there's a fish broadside and you pull the trigger, that's not like hunting at hundred feet. Um, and so I just think that, you know, the, it just, that's just rarely do people live in places where they need, they, there are no fish unless they can go to a hundred foot. Now, of course people can do whatever they want, but, um, 
I mean, just the, when I hear people call me on the phone and say, like, you know, I'm just getting in a spearfish and I want a spearfish 100 feet, you know, I'm just like, oh, ooh. you know, that's that's a very, I'm not saying you can't do that, but that's a very difficult, it's very risky. It certainly requires a lot of training. And that's no like, I'm going to take a three day class and be 100 foot spearfish for me. Um, yeah, I'm still so waiting. For I, that. I basically had to explain uh, to many people that, you know, I don't, my course will not do that. Um, and I will try to convince you that maybe you, shouldn't want to do that or at least be aware that there's yeah. a lot of risk a lot of risk doing that i mean it is hard to do that in a super safe environment I mean, you can do it in a super safe environment it just requires a lot of moving parts and a lot of and again buddies that we talk about that probably aren't you know you got to have a really solid team to right. be you're fishing 100 feet and be as safe as you can be you know is you know spearfishing at 40 feet Right. I mean, um, I have a friend, I, I just did a podcast with him, uh, a guy I know his name's Brandon Zeke and you know, yeah. I, I don't know if you, yeah. And, and so what he was saying, like they were hunting at 85 feet and he's like, Oh yeah. But I know the guy just said he did two dives of 60 meters and yeah, yeah. hunting at 85 feet is like where he feels good at. Like, yeah, that's yeah. like, cool. <laughs> exactly. and to me, I was like, damn, cause I want to hunt at a hundred feet. You know, I want to like yeah. be acclimated and do all these things so that, um, to have the option to be able to yeah. push it yeah. right because yeah. i feel like the if you can hunt at 100 feet you're like that much more comfortable at 60 or 70 well, or exactly, whatever right you know um well, that's yeah it's just it's it's such a process uh that i think people are kind of the learning curve has gone up so much where they're not realizing that it's when you start doing that it's everything's cool when you're diving a line and you got a buddy and everybody's there watching you. But if you yeah. fuck around doing that, you know, you will pay the price much sooner. Um, especially if you're doing repetitive dives than you would, uh, with, with it shallower without a buddy. Uh, yeah. and it yeah. becomes really easy to, and then the other side, I guess. So the other side of this whole thing, right. That, uh, John and I were discussing and I was, and he was discussing with Brad Thompson about dude, what, what is going on? Like, and he's like, and so my friend told me this, you know, years, years ago, when I started to get serious in spearfishing, um, he said, Hey, you know, people like us die. You know, he told me this probably 20 some years ago. And I said, yeah. what do you mean? He's like, well, you know, you were a college athlete, college uh, athlete, whatever your competitor, uh, we have a competitive mindset. He was a professional yes. surfer and he's like, and we had talked about this before with the seal team instructor you were talking about. And I laugh yep. because it's true. Like, especially in combative sports, you have that mindset where body doesn't, whatever. I just have to get this guy down. Even if it's going to snap my arm, if I break his jaw and yep. knock him out, then we're good. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's like the bigger picture. I'll sacrifice this for this. Right. Yep. Um, well, he said, yeah, people like us die because of our mindset and our competitive you know and so john had brought that up to me he's like i was talking to brad about it and he goes i think what happens is we you know we drive a half hour you get to the beach the waves the surf is uh not what you expect the conditions are not what you expected and you're there with your boys or your girls or whatever your friends do you want to be the guy to be like i don't feel comfortable yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly right uh yeah i mean i don't know nowadays i feel comfortable just about anything it's more about am i going to enjoy this right yeah uh i'm not going to enjoy i got paid to swim around and shit you know literally half the time <laughs> um yeah. but um 
And I took, I remember I took my wife diving one time and in the Yukon, it was a hundred feet. And I was like, Hey, and there was six to 10 foot surf that day, but I had promised her this before we had kids. I promised her I would take her diving. And I didn't want her to think that I was bailing out on her diving to go surfing. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I was like, look, I mean, you can go, we'll go, but it's just not, you know, and I remember we were like 30 feet going down the anchor chain one by one, you know, and I'm seeing the bubbles coming but I look down, it's just pitch green, black, whatever. And I see the bubbles coming out of a regulator more and more and more. And I'm like, Hey, look at my eyes. Yeah. And then I, and then she looks at me and she's like, yeah, no, we're going up. And we came up and I was cool. And she was like, are you mad at me? I'm like, no, why? She's like, well, we can, I'm like, I get paid to dive in this shit. I'm not, this isn't fun for me. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's not fun for me. So I kind of have that mindset now with a lot of stuff. Like if I'm not having fun, then why am I doing it? If I go to the beach and it's like, you know, big surf and all of that, because I kind of wrote, I wrote something about this. Uh, I was like, I'm just surprised the number of younger guys or newer guys and girls that were saying, Hey, does anybody want to go diving tomorrow? And I'm like, it's yeah. eight to 10 foot surf. Like, yeah. it's not like Hawaii, eight to 10 foot surf where there's still, it's an Island. There's still places to get good viz and yeah, you know, yeah. it's shit right now. You're going to go diving. So <laughs> like, that's just crazy to me. Cause I mean, there was a time when I did the same thing and I got stuffed into a cave or a, yeah. a ledge and stuffed under a ledge because the, the current, you know, and it was, I remember that same day with my wife, it was like that. I ended up diving in the kelp while she uh, sat on the boat going down the anchor chain to get something. And yeah, just getting thrown around everywhere. It's just not, it's not worth it um, for a lobster or anything. I mean, just wait, the wait a couple of days. Uh, so I think that's the thing that people need to really kind of keep in mind um, is just be cognizant of what's the best thing that like, are you going to have fun? <laughs> like, that's another thing. And you know what? If you get there and it's shit, uh, damn, we can't die for another two weeks because I got this going on and this going on. Like, that's just the way it is sometimes. Like, I remember we were, I was in the Keys and we had, we had these, we had, we canceled this trip because it was too rough. And, and most people, you know, were like, all right, we get it. And there are these two military guys and they're on leave and, you know, they were really upset that we were canceling. And we're like, look, yeah. we're, we're, like, absolutely, we're not going out there. We're not going out there. It's ridiculous. And they kept, going on and on they wanted to go. And so finally I said, all right, look, here's the deal. It's awful out there. So we've already canceled all the customers and I'm sitting here talking to you guys. So I, I, it's going to be awful. But if you want to come out here, I'm going to take you out, but you're going to sign this piece of paper that says it is terrible out there. The conditions are terrible. You will not see anything. There are no refunds. I told you this was a horrible idea. Sign that piece of paper. Captain says, hey, they sign a piece of paper. All right, take them out. Yeah, give me a dive. We throw them off the boat. They do their they do their dive and they come back. I'm like, how's the dive? Awesome. Want to do the next one? Hell no. Back to the boat. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Yeah. Sometimes it's just it's just not. There's no sense in it. Well, and it's interesting too. I feel like I was forced to do it for so long. If not forced, but I mean, so uh, my ability to dive in in crappy conditions is very high, and I feel very comfortable doing it. Um, However. And sometimes it's not very productive, like as far as fishing wise, um, diving wise. Yeah. Um, but I feel comfortable doing it, you know, because it, it goes, but I don't necessarily want to do it. Um, but it did make me a better 
all around waterman for lack of a better terms putting yourself in those situations uh smartly though we had buddies we had boats we were live boating the whole time like all this stuff um and if you're not used to that kind of situation probably don't throw yourself in eight to ten foot surf i mean i've rescued so many guys surfing wise younger guys when their leash snaps and they look at that you know they got that fear of god in their eyes and it's like just because your board's gone now you're like gonna drown yeah then if that's the case you probably shouldn't be out here you shouldn't be in that environment and I get it. I mean, you got to learn, but like, we're trying to, you know, save guys lives here, and like have fun. That's the whole point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the condition thing is just so interesting. It, it, when I was seeing people say, yeah, do you want to go diving? I'm like, well, this is how it happens. Are you just really naive or why would you want to go looking for lobster and eight foot surf? I mean, that's just, yeah. that's just not fun like it's lobster you'll get more tomorrow or next day or whatever it is (laughs) you know what i mean um so yeah that's kind of how i felt about that with the with the deaths you know and and, um yeah it's just the when guys are so there's that argument about the free diving courses i've heard people say well you're teaching people how to die or you'll die or uh you you're you're um by teaching people how to free dive you're giving them like a license to kill or something or a license to die i've heard people say that and um i kind of go back to like with the military mindset of know your enemy like yeah shallow water blackout is your enemy so you got to know how to prevent it um yes and you and you got to put procedures in place right that will catch it right i mean like you know there's there's no because you know there's always that point in the class and i get really into the blackout stuff and i and i'm talking about like it's very you know i show the blackout video that you know you've already seen with the spear fisherman who blacks yeah. out 50 feet of service nice plane he had no idea that anything was wrong because you can i mean the people that were there talked to him and he said he felt fine you can see with your own eyeballs and so i really try to hammer this idea that especially in the ocean it's different when you're holding your breath on the couch you're going to feel a stose a slow steady increase of signals of how you feel more and more uncomfortable and so most people instinctively understand that they like, Oh, and you hold your breath. It just gets worse and worse and worse. And so they assume, which seems to make sense that the same thing would happen in the ocean, but physics says that doesn't happen. It gets complicated as to why that is. It has to do with the partial pressure dropping and all this sort of stuff. So at the point in the class, they see the spear vision of blackout. They understand the physiology of why they, they might feel fine. And, and then there's always this, like almost every time they're like, well, well, what do I, how do I, how do I not black out? <laughs> right? Right. So, you know, they're like, what? And I'm like, if I had the formula, if I had the three rules, I would print them on postcards and I would sell postcards and I wouldn't bother with all this stuff. I'd just be like, follow these three rules and you'll be fine. I mean, the safe way to do it is don't hold your breath. That's about the only way to right. guarantee. Because, I mean, what are you going to say? Well, only limit your dive to a minute or only come up at your first contraction or only or only. I mean, there's no, there unfortunately is no, you know, direct answer to that. Right. So the only reasonable answer is, I mean, it's crazy. People think I'm crazy. Thing, I assume every dive is going to end in a blackout. So have a something in place. So if that does happen, you'll be fine. Right. right? It's no different than like, you know, you don't see people say, well, I've been par- I've been jumping out of planes for 30 years and I got so tired of packing that reserve. I and mean, every time I'm going to pack that reserve shoot, I just hate doing it. It's such a pain in the ass. I've never had a problem. So I'm just going to quit doing it. No, they don't do that because they, they don't want to go. That's a good point. Right. Yeah. Right. And so it's like the, 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 you know, the way that you make it right is you, 
you put a you you have someone there that you trust that will be there, and then if something happens, you're gonna be fine. Um, I mean, the you know, compare it to scuba. The the penalty for a mistake in freediving is too severe, right? The penalty right. for a mistake, you make one mistake and you get end up on the bottom dead, right? In scuba, you make a mistake and you're like, ow, my shoulder hurts, like holy crap, like it really hurts. Like, you know, and they're putting you on and you're like, oh my God, I gotta go to the chamber. How much does that cost? What 30 grand? And you're yeah. pissed about getting flying to the chamber and you don't have Dan insurance, but like <laughs> this it's all fixable. Right. right. All fixable. Like you make one mistake as a free diver. Well, I think too, so that, that the other side of it is like not necessarily you. Some people may be okay with that as going out like that. But what about and I realized this when I got married and had kids too, like what about your family? You know, is that super selfish of you to put them in that situation when they're the ones gonna have to deal with this? Um Yeah. What a waste. Or, or here's, here's another way to look at it, right? So I just did an ad for Noob Spiro promoting freediving safety. And I was talking right. about, do you know how to, do you how to save your buddy if your buddy has a blackout? You know, would you know what to do? Would you even be where you needed to be? And right, like the darker side of that ad that I didn't go with, um, which I may do it from my own personal stuff, is like, you know, so if you're, so, so the way I explain it is imagine on the imagine the very last dive trip you went on the very last spear fishing trip that you went on imagine your body blacked out okay so let's th let's think what would happen there's two outcomes outcome number one you know what you, you're doing what you're supposed to be doing and everything's fine and 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 he pays for your bar tab a big bar tab and dinner that night right because you know what you're doing and you right. save him and it's fine it's not a big deal you get in the boat and you learn from it right or you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing sinks to the bottom dies and now you have to explain to the family how that went down yeah right yeah and imagine now some people just don't know some people had no idea that could happen but imagine if you knew that you were supposed to be there watching that person but you oh, yeah the guilt for whatever reason and but like and right. having to like and you know unfortunately because of my career I hear those conversations with people. They call me and people, because I'm tagged and all these things. You hear about this person that died and someone reaches out and then they're, you know, they're like, find out about free diving safety. And they're like, oh my God, you know, this is the whole thing is awful. Yeah. Um, but I mean, like, that's another way to think about it is, you know, imagine, imagine having to, to explain that to the family and, and then to either know ahead of time or find out afterwards that that was like totally preventable by this. So that's, you you might not have been willing to do or know you should have done. I believe that's what happened with one of the recent deaths. I don't want to get into it just out of respect, yeah. but um, yeah. I think that's what happened where they got the dive profile back from the watch and it was, yeah. oh man, he five feet from the surface or whatever. And he, and he yeah. blacked out and he was just trying to get a couple more dives in because his buddies were all, you know, when you're diving deep, man, it's tiring. It's like, it's exhausting. Um, yeah. And so a couple more of those dives and then that's the one that got him. And I mean, they were doing like over two minutes, you know, holds at a hundred feet. Yeah. Um, badass divers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and so those poor guys, I mean, I, Hey, it sucks for everybody. They got to live with that. Um, uh, but yeah, it's just a shitty situation for everybody. Totally shitty. Yeah. And it could have been avoided. Um, yeah. yeah, sometimes, yeah, you know, it's easy for us to Monday morning quarterback stuff, but we're trying to tell you on, on Friday, do this so that we yeah. don't have to worry about it on Monday. And it's just, 
It, it, you don't think it's going to happen to you just like life. You don't think you're going to step out of the house. Uh, this, I guess this comes with age. I don't think I'm going to step out of the house and never come back. But I do know that people that got in car accidents, when they stepped out of the house, they didn't know that was their last time they were coming back. So every time I leave, I make sure to tell my wife and okay. I mean, it sounds kind of morbid, but it's true. Like, Hey, I love you guys as little as it is just so they know, because you never know. I mean, I know with the military stuff, like that stuff comes up a little more often depending on the situation, but you, you kind of have to live yourself, your life like that because you know, it's either you or your friend, somebody's going it, to, it's going to affect you at some point in your life. It's, at some point. Yeah. Yeah. And well, that's what I mean. You know, you, yeah. you people that are in the sport of free diving and they're going to tell you that, you know, if you free dive long enough, if you spearfish long enough, it's, it's, it, it's, it's likely you're going to have a hypoxic issue, a loss of motor control or a blackout, right? It, you might be able to dive for 30 years. I mean, they're not, I mean, the, the one thing that makes this whole thing so crazy is that if blackouts were more common, we wouldn't have this problem, right? When you go out on a spearfishing trip right. like, for like five days, at the end of the trip, you're not like, man, that was crazy, man. We had like 19 blackouts. John blacked out like see six times. He's an idiot. He blacked out four times. Like if everyone, if it was more common, right. you, you wouldn't be able to bury your head in the sand. It's very uncommon, but blackouts are not common. But the result is it's it's a problem. Um, and so, you know, we have the situation and, you know, the tricky thing is I always like to bring up the fact that when I started teaching, I would, you know, teach them, this is the, the, the rule of nines. 90% of the blackouts happen at the surface after a couple of breaths, right? You know, 9% happen the first 15 feet from the surface and you might know it's coming. So you have to be, you know, you have to be right next to them. And here's how you do a loss of control. Here's how you do a blackout. You dive into teams. All right, now we're doing physiology. Now we're doing whatever. I mean, I right. would tell them the rules. And I stupidly thought that because I said so, they would do so. And I didn't know until about two, maybe three years that none of my students were implementing. I, I don't mean like half of them. None of them were implementing what I taught them. Now, they were diving. They knew how to dive deep. They knew how to do the kick cycles. They knew how to rescue someone from a blackout because I made them do it 50 freaking times. But I started like the first word I'm like, oh. Ted, that goes back to the uh, spear fisherman versus freediving thing. And I know because I am totally guilty of it, where it's like, yeah, just show me how to get down so I can do this freediving crap to get to the bottom yeah, so yeah. I shoot a fish. Yeah. So so now right. the, the, the way that, that that I do it is it's like, it's like, okay, I know no one cares, but I, I'm, I'm, to be honest, I'm shocked people are not more interested in learning how to not kill themselves. But I know from over 12 years, they don't care. So I don't lead with that, right? right. It's the, Hold your breath longer, dive deeper, you know, shoot bigger fish, then I whack him with the safety stick. Um, but, you know, so I was really, I mean, stunned and I felt like a failure that like none of my students were implementing anything with regards to safety. And I realized that was one, I realized just because I tell them to do something doesn't mean they're going to do it. Right. When I teach instructor candidates, I harp on that over and over again. Like, it's not the military. I can't, just because I say do, I can't make them do. I can make right. them do while they're in class with me, but not when they leave me. But part of it was the, the all freediving classes, t- you know, generally speaking, PFI and FI, you know, they came from competitive freediving, right? That's where our background is. And so I've got a room full of spear fishermen and every blackout that they see is of some competitive freediver coming up from a 200 foot dive or someone coming up from an eight minute static breath hold at the world championships, right? 
And so they're like, yeah, of course he blacked out. He did a 200 foot dive. I only spinished yeah. to 50 feet. Right. So it's not right. So I realized that I had to, 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 you know, my audience was all spearfishing. So I need to have everything in my class needs to be about spearfishing. It needs to be videos of spearfishing blackout. And, and so that helped. But then I realized that, you know, this is something I'm going to be doing in the coming weeks is, is, is a freediving instructor, it's not my, it's not our job to teach you to hold your breath for three minutes or five minutes. It's not our job to teach you to dive to 60 feet or 100 feet. It's not our job to teach you how to rescue some of a blackout. All of those things are very simple to do. What is really hard to do is to convince that student to implement the procedures that we're teaching and convince Give them the tools to convince the people they dive with that they should actually do that. Because when they leave that classroom, they're going to be encountered by everyone that does none of those things that that instructor said. And it's very easy to like, we'll just fall in line because no one does that. Now, it's getting better, definitely getting better. But that's what I realized I wasn't doing at all. I was just, I was just telling them the rules. I was not convincing them they should implement. And that's hard. It's really hard. Yeah, you got to make it matter to us, I'll say, because I don't really can not much of a free diver, but, um, I, well, kind of along those lines, you're talking about, you just never know. I remember, um, you know, I did the 28 day, uh, free diving course or the, yeah, the free diving. Um, and, uh, I held my breath for six minutes and nine seconds, which was, uh, before I think the longest I ever held my breath was like four minutes and 15 seconds in the pool. And so I was in sitting in the bed and my bed doing it. And, uh, realizing that this is taking forever because when you start to hold your breath longer, it's like five minutes of pop and recovery. And yeah. I, and, uh, I couldn't believe it. Honestly, when I hit the six minute thing, like I was fucking amped. Yeah. Uh, and then we went diving, right? Yeah. So you're holding your, like you said, you're holding your salt, your breath for six minutes. You're doing a lot of talking to yourself. You're a lot of like, okay, here's the trigger. Okay. We should be at like three fifteen. Okay. We're good. Just, you know, it's funny. It's almost like I, I, it reminds me of the movie The Abyss where the guy's diving down and he's in that one atmosphere suit and he's breathing the liquid oxygen and the guy's talking him through it. Talking Literally, yeah, yeah. I picture myself every time I dive. Like, And um, yeah. so I did that. And I'm like, okay, cool. And then John and I went down to Mexico or I think I went, yeah, down to Mexico and dove. And uh, we, what I found was like, my usual dive, like I said, is like a minute 15, a minute 30. And diving with John, my dive was, I would say, one about the same, maybe 10 seconds longer on average. Yeah. And what I realized was like sitting on the bed and everything, it's just about being comfortable and everything is slow. There's no risk, there's no nothing. Yeah. But when I go down, if I can, and I think that the 10 seconds came from the additional 10 seconds or additional time, uh, because I really wasn't even really pushing myself either was about those diaphragm stretches that we talked about. And then it was like, Oh shit, I'm at, you know, so-and-so I didn't even know it. That's really cool. Um, and, uh, cause I'm not a very flexible person and then coming up and being like, wait, you're telling me I could hold my breath for six minutes, nine seconds. And I'm only doing like a minute 45 or a minute 30. Like what the hell, you know, yeah. it doesn't make any sense. So then that mindset of like, okay, if I know I can hold my breath for six minutes, it's a matter of just minimizing everything and being comfortable. Well, fuck it. I'm really going to push myself. I'm gonna try to go to three minutes. Like, 
makes sense. It's half. I should be able to do that. But it's that mindset. I feel like where you get this false insecurity based on everything else, but you forget about those other factors that play into it, like depth and previously breathe up and where you're at. And are you cold? Yeah, I mean, it's all, it's, it's, it's all, all those different. Yeah. Right? Every it's, time it's you, yeah. Every, every day I dive, it's like a slightly different feeling from the next. And then some days you have those days where you just feel amazing. Um, yeah. And uh, One thing that I, I tell about the, the training is like that drive, all that stuff that I have you do in that program, I always, should, I always say I should work on my sales pitch because basically it's awful. I mean, it's all, if you're doing it the right way, it should be all be very uncomfortable and awful. Oh, it's terrible. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, I, someone was just texting me the, the Brian guy from Hawaii. He was like, Oh, he was this one particular part. He's like, Oh my God, that's the, that's the most awful thing I've ever done. I said, when I hear, when I hear you type awful, I mean, I hear very fun. Yeah. <laughs> what, what was he talking about? The uh, CO2? The, or? the slow, the slow exhalation uh, at the end of the, the one breath uh, oh, CO2 tables. Yeah. Um, and so, so, but the idea is you, you train in, the, in this extreme environment. It should never you should never experience any of these sensations when you're diving, right? But that's the way most training works, right? You train for this extreme, right? Right? Yeah. And so the idea is you're not, you know, especially with the diaphragm stretches, what will happen is, you know, you can start to make these increases, but you don't feel like you're like you're saying that you're, you know, you're you're 10 seconds longer but it didn't it didn't feel like it right because you're more comfortable at the right. depth and that's the one thing that you know spear fishermen you know they they competitive freediving and spearfishing are, are two different things I, of course it is right right um but competitive freedivers are singularly focused on diving as deep as humanly possible and holding their breath as humanly possible and the way they do that is through very specialized training to hit those goals, right? Spear fishermen should be very interested in how in the hell we do those things, not because they want to become competitive freedivers, but because they, 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 competitive freedivers know how to train to get better at freediving. Spear fishermen typically don't even know you're concerned about getting better at freediving. They're more concerned about the spearfishing side of things, which is a huge thing. Like how, how do I hold my breath fish? longer? That's just yeah, it. Yeah. I don't hold my breath longer. Right. Not necessarily. If I hold my breath longer, I can dive deeper. Not necessarily yeah. about oh the depth change. I mean those yeah, diaphragm yeah, yeah. stretches were game changing. Like, and I I heard yeah, about them before, but they yeah. they do exactly what you're saying. All of a sudden, you're at sixty feet. You don't even realize it. It's like oh well, I'm still relaxed. I can stay longer. Here's yeah. where we start because, to get dicey. You know. <laughs> yeah, because ultimately, what what you know, spearfish always say they want to dive deeper, and I'm not saying that they don't. But and, and you do want to dive deeper, but but what you want is you want to take whatever that comfortable operating depth you have. Every spear version has some depth, whether it's 40 feet, 60 foot, 80 foot, I don't know what it is, but if you're listening to me, you know what yours is. So let's say it's 40 feet. You feel comfortable when you get to that depth, if you can sit there, and if that fish is that that mangrove snapper is coming up to you, you can sit there and you can let it come up to you and you can wait till you take the shot. If you go 15 feet fat, 15 feet deeper than that, 20. You get there and now there's no, there's no comfort. There's no, if that fish is coming in, you got about two seconds before you're just going to sprint out and pull the trigger because you feel so anxious, so uncomfortable, and you can't hunt like that. So it's not about how deep you go. It's about how deep can you be and then be completely comfortable. But the other thing is by doing these diaphragm stretches that you're also going to increase that time at those other shallower depths. And I would, you know, the spirit, what they'll tell me is that it's, the time is the most valuable thing. 
I mean, yeah, it's cool to be able to dive 20 feet deeper, but they would rather, in fact, I did a post on Instagram just not long ago. I said, would you rather be able to dive 20 feet deeper or, or, or have 20 seconds more bottom time? And it was like 90% said 20 seconds more bottom time. Yeah, I can because, work with the depth later, but I need that time. Yeah, because then you're going to just be that much more effective. Yeah. Um, and I, that's, a, yeah. And that's exactly it. I think the difference was, you know, when you start to push yourself diving deeper, that's where you get into those squeezes and things like that. Because I remember same thing happened where I was at like 70 feet or, and that's deep for me. Like, yeah, yeah. and, uh, shot and missed a fish and the shaft got stuck on the reef. And I was like, well, I better go get it. So I don't have to come back down here. And just in that additional kicking forward, getting it and coming up on the way up, it was like, oh, I really need it, you know, and then I ended up getting like a little trachea squeeze because of the stress from the whole thing where if I'm comfortable, everything just extends. Like if you're comfortable at at 40 feet, you're comfortable at 60 feet. Now I can stay there longer and I'm more likely going to get more fish because you're not this stressed out ball of energy down there, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, right? I mean, it's supposed to be, you know, it, it it's it's supposed to be fun, right? Like, you know, I think like competitive freediving has so much uncomfortableness built into it, right? That if I'm diving for like, I don't want to ever experience contractions when I'm, I, it's like, I, I do that. I torture myself enough that way. Like if I'm doing diving, I don't, I don't want to be at a depth where I'm like going through all that. Right? That's I want terrible. to be 20 foot shallower than that. I want to be like, ah, this is so simple. Right. This is so easy. This is nice. I'm relaxed. I actually like free diving. <laughs> no, that, that's what it is. When I'm like that, I can tell you like it's exhausting because I'm stressed and it makes you yeah. breathe up much higher uh, or much harder. And then yeah. if you know you're going to be pushing yourself, the one thing that really helps with all of that is that going back to what we talked about is having a competent buddy to watch you. Because the yeah. worst thing that's going to happen, if your buddy's there and he's on it, you're going to black out and he'll get you. And like yeah. knowing that is such a peace of mind because I've done it where I've been breathing up, knowing I'm going to drop pretty deep on a shelf. And with the thing with the shelves is you never know because I've done this where you end up going down one spot and you chase a fish down a shelf down the shelf a little bit, and the next thing you know you've you know you're not exactly where you thought you were, and on the way up you're like holy shit how deep was I? And then yeah. your buddy's kicking off somewhere else, and you come up, and that infuriates me because. Yeah, I'm not gonna miss out on my. I just asked you to spot me, dude. Like, I don't give a shit yeah. if what came by. You gotta yeah, watch. What fish me. you just saw, right? Yeah, yeah, you gotta watch me, and like, cause this isn't a game, cause it does happen. Um, well, I guess I want to wrap up, Tim, cause I got our Tim. Jesus Christ, Ted. <laughs> I gotta wrap up, cause I gotta get uh, these kids to uh, football practice now that we're actually gonna have a yeah, season. Yeah. Um, so I, again, I really appreciate uh, talking with you over the weeks and this whole discussion uh yeah. i'm looking forward to seeing what kind of hate mail or just whatever uh it's all good um but uh yeah if again if you guys have any other questions reach out to ted at immersion freediving or freedivingsafety.com um yep. and i can tell you that he is available i remember getting off the phone with you and i told my wife like i was just talking to the u.s record holder and just chatting up with this guy, you know, who the fuck am I? <laughs> <laughs> well, as, as you, as you, as you see, I like to run my mouth about free diving. So yeah. I, yeah. It's all good. Yeah. Yeah. That's the scuba diver instructor in you, I think though. Cause we all know. Scuba <laughs> diver. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, for sure. But thank you, Ted. I'll let you go. Enjoy uh, your Canadian winter as best yes. as you can. 
Yeah, yeah. and I am excited because I got something awesome out of this. I finally got to, like, now when I get in this discussion about well, you can't shoot white, see, that's like, ah, okay, no, 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 no. And then I can just point, point them here. Well, yeah, let me start. just uh, shoot one and just yeah. get to bed, like. Okay, okay, well, so well, then when you shoot one, we on the interview for like 30 seconds, you know, say, I successfully shot a white sea bass and I spliced it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> I just know, like, I jumped in and I was like, Oh, these things are not that hard. They just swam up to me, like four of them. Okay. Uh, now, if I could just make a shot, it'd be nice. But yeah. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Ted. I appreciate it, man. Right. Sounds good. Enjoyed it. Thanks for having me on again. Oh, anytime. Anytime. It's great. Right. I love it. Okay. Bye. All right. See you, right. That's the show for today. Uh, again, thanks, Ted. And I hope you guys all learned some uh, information about diving safe. And, uh, you know, if you guys ever have any questions too or comments and want to tell me I'm full of shit, uh, go ahead and reach out to me on Instagram or social media at some way or form. I have a website, uh, spearfactor.com, and let me know what you think or if you guys have any opinions or insights on things. Uh, feel free to for hit me up. Um, but thanks for listening, guys. Take care. And if you'd like to support the show even further, you can go over to our Patreon page, www.patreon forward slash spearfactor, and donate to the show to keep it going and just want to give a big thank you to the sponsors um, of the show hot rod spear guns Chimera spear fishing inventors of the side slip acaso cameras and one drop spear fishing all those guys uh, thank you so much and go over to the website www.spearfactor.com and check out the deals that they have provided for spear factor listeners Everybody enjoy yourselves and dive safe. Thanks again. You'd think with four of us spread out on a tiny island that the task of tagging a whitetail would not be a big thing. But as I've learned, no matter where I've been, whitetails can be damn tricky. Pursuing wild game in wild places. Tune in to Hunt Stand Presents Saturdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. You want to succeed, you want to fish, you want to be one of the greatest. Tune in to West Marine's Life on the Water, presented by Costa Custom Boats, every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.